This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 195. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. We're back this week talking about Lisa's preparation for a show called Aquashella. So if you didn't listen to last week's show, go ahead and catch that one first, because this one may not make a whole lot of sense. We're going to pick up the conversation where we left off. Okay, so you mentioned there are other artists at the show, and that's one thing that I was going to ask you about. Do you know how many other artists are going to be showing at the show? No. I mean, you're, I'm guessing you're going to be there not as a vendor with an aquarium. That no, kind of. right, right. Okay, um, so how many others are doing like what you're doing? I'm looking at the map right now, and if, if these numbers are actual artists, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six seven, eight or nine, nine of us total. So and then you mentioned um, that they're, you're different from the rest of the, of the artists that are going to be there in what way? Um, the other artists, the artwork, the style that they do is a bit more um, like pop art style. Illustration the ones that I've seen. Or? Yeah. It, okay. It's not okay. photorealism. I haven't seen now. Okay. I could be wrong. Maybe the ones that I've seen, the ones that are more like promoted, those ones tend to be a, a little bit more. Yeah. Illustrative and pop art are the two styles that okay. I've seen for the right. most part. So now some of these artists, I'm really excited to meet and see if there are more. Um, I'm hoping to see more realism, but the ones that I've seen so far weren't. And again, I don't mean to make that sound like that's a negative thing or they're lesser than because that's definitely not the case. It's just a different style. Well, right. Yeah, no, exactly. And in your case, that might be a really good thing, though, because yeah, um, there are other them. art vendors there, but yours is going to be so different from the rest of them, hopefully, that maybe you'll stand out a little bit and have a, a better market. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have that. to look into that a bit more. Um, just, just out of my own curiosity of who's going to sure. be there. But I know that the main ones that they've promoted that I've seen the posters and stuff for were more pop art, more um, like they use glow in the dark paint and stuff that's a bit more like that than yeah. stuff that's going to be more archival. And yeah, there's a bit of a difference there. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting to see. I mean, and I'm just excited to meet more artists that are interested in oh, fish yeah. as well. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think you've talked me into uh, at least looking into the one that's in Chicago. It's pretty cool. It's only yeah. like five hours away from me. So yeah. And now awesome. this show, too, one of the great things as far as being a vendor, and this is something that if you're going to go to a show, you need or, you know, just be a vendor at a show, you need to keep in mind, what are they providing for you in that fee? Because this show, you've got curtains that are going to or a backdrop that is behind your booth and on the sides that separate you from the person next to you. And it comes with a, a I believe they said a six foot table that it also is covered, two chairs and a wastebasket. So you you just need to bring your stuff. I mean, that's really, really good. So in my case, I had a banner printed for the front of my table that says La Cree Fine Art. It has a few of my paintings on it. It's a two foot by four foot painting. And that was another one I ordered from Vista Print. And this isn't going to be, you know, quality that you would hang on your wall, but good at, you know, 
good for a, a, an event like this. With shipping, it was only $32, two foot by four foot. It has on there, you know, the the YouTube channel to follow me to learn to paint. And that, you know, there's a lot of room to put information. So that is what I included on that one. That one, again, I wrote how many subscribers I had. Now that's something you've got to watch too. In my case, if I were to do another show, I would probably have to print another banner because my subscriber number is going to change continuously. But I did feel like that in this case with a group that this is this event is being so pushed uh, or the YouTubers that are going to be at the event is heavily pushed. So I think including my numbers initially, I didn't think it would work or to my benefit. But now that I'm seeing that it's really being pushed as a, a place to go and meet YouTubers that, you know, are in the Aquarian business or make Aquarian videos. So I thought that that would be potentially beneficial for me to go ahead and say, no, look, I really do have a channel that people watch. Um, come learn to paint. So I did include that on my banner as well. And that I thought was a really good price too. 30, and it was half off. Um, they were on sale. So again, watching when there's sales. Uh, that one was after shipping and sales tax, 32.45. So not a lot, but at this point, I mean, you look at how, how things start to add up that you buy for the event. So I also had to order a rack to hold postcards. I got a, one, I spent a, hundred, a little over, I think it was about $100. But it's super, super nice. Um, very the like it's not the metal, the cheapy ones. It's a, a little bit of a heavier duty with the clear acrylic that the the cards stand into. So it's just going to give it a more polished look. But again, there's another hundred dollars. And then I also just, but right before the podcast, actually, I bought a metal rack I found from a place called. Let's see if I can pull it up, just in case somebody's interested. Now this is going to be a fairly lightweight rack compared to some of the other ones, but this one's a two foot by six foot black slat grid rack. And it just has the, it's one flat piece of that grid and then the feet that holds it upright. It with shipping was $50. So, I mean, I'm going to be able to hang a lot of paintings on two feet by six feet. And I've got a lot of smaller paintings I'm bringing. So this is going to be, that was the last thing I purchased or that I will be purchasing for this event. But you've got to consider how are you going to display your work? Another option, if you're looking for a lower cost option, which I was considering before I found this, is bringing, and I still may do this for some of them, the wooden crates that you can get at Michael's or Hobby Lobby or something like that. They're lightweight. Um, They're usually that cheap balsa wood. But if you can do a wooden crate, if you've got smaller prints or something like that, you can put those in there that people can flip through. And it's a fairly inexpensive way to go. It's a lot cheaper than buying the big print racks that a lot of people will use. Yeah, those those aren't bad. That That's a good suggestion. Good tip right there. The only thing I would caution anybody about with regard to those, uh, put them on a, a table or something yes. so they're reachable and people aren't having to get on their hands and knees or stand on their head to get to them. The other thing is just get some very fine grit sandpaper and uh, sand those down just a little bit in the areas where people will be uh, touching them. Yeah. Because sometimes you can get some splinters on those definitely so keep that in in. my case the ones i would be using were ones i'd already done that to that had been painted with uh, chalk paint so they have this nice distressed look and i think one of the things you want to watch when you're setting up a booth try to create a feel not just about the artwork because it is i mean you obviously you want your artwork to be the center of attention but can you create a feel i bought and i don't know if i'll end up using it if not i'll use it for a backdrop for our photos but i got a cheap tablecloth it's like a vinyl type tablecloth that has a wood it looks like realistic wood grain. So it you can if I can if I had a smaller table, I think this table that I'm going to be using will be too big for it. But you can cover that with this wood grain type look for the table. If you can create a feel for that booth in something that's a little bit more 
Oh, how do I put it? Um, it looks like it all goes together. So yeah, you know, it needs not to be your brand colors. Exactly. I mean, you've, you've got to you got to think about your brand and what the, the experience colors, you're creating. I don't know what the booth color is. So my brand colors, I'm probably not going to have that too much. But I do want to create from the stuff that I'm bringing that my easel, I like that look of the wood, but I also wanted a really nice looking rack. So I've got the white rack for the cards. So I want to keep that in mind. I need to buy a new holder for business cards. Um, I need to keep in mind. As long what as else it's I'm all cohesive me. and it yeah. all has some kind of theme, you know, yes. then that that's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we should probably mention, Lisa, that um, a lot of these things that you're talking about and the amount of money that you've spent is sort of like an investment or a startup cost. I yes. mean, if you were going to be doing these more often, then you're not going to be, you know, going out and buying display racks. You're not going to be buying signs again or a backdrop. You know, a lot of these other things related to setting up that booth or one-time fee. Yeah. And one of the things that I had a problem with with some of the events that I went to before, and it wasn't just me, I'd see other artists doing this as well. And I don't know how big of a difference it made in the end, because most of the outdoor shows that I did, people weren't dropping hundreds of dollars on paintings. They would give you $2 for a postcard, but they weren't going to spend much more, you know, more than $20 or so. So... With those, though, my booth, all they generally were just so – you could tell they were just kind of half done, thrown together with what I had. I didn't have the finances to invest at the time into the booth, but it showed. And I do think it made a difference in how professional I looked. I didn't look like someone – who took this seriously. While I did, I just didn't have the money and I couldn't come up. Like at the time, I couldn't think of things. Um, I've definitely gotten more ideas over the, the last 20 years from the, when I first started doing this sort of thing. But yeah, you, I mean, you want to present this in a way that makes you look professional. People will take you more seriously than if you're just throwing things together. And that, yeah, you know, considering how much people will spend on originals, this is why I think having prints, postcards, that sort of thing is a big deal. Now, this event is different, maybe different, because I was told by another person that people come in there and will drop thousands of dollars on corals. So they come in with cash with tons and tons of money. So it's, it is different than the typical art festivals that I've been to where people are like, I'll spend 20 or $40 and that's about it. Maybe a hundred. Yeah, you don't really but, want to do. Yeah, shows. with these, um, I've I've painted some originals to bring with me that are little ones that I spent maybe two hours on. I've been using doing these on my live streams. I've been doing them in acrylics in my case, just because it's something I can do very very quickly and sell for a lot less than a colored pencil piece. The colored pencil, th those definitely take more work. I only have one colored pencil piece I'm considering bringing with me, but uh, we'll we'll see. I don't know. Um, but the, I did do a lot of small like eight by 10 type paintings that I can sell for $200 that aren't going to be a $2,000 painting that most likely I'm not going to sell. I don't want to drag those out there if I can avoid it. They're not good. I know that those don't typically sell at most art events. Now, again, this is different. So I don't know what the difference will be, but I don't want to waste my time and energy trying to get a ton of really expensive paintings ready when more likely than not, that's not what's going to sell. What will sell are the prints and the postcards and any smaller paintings I can sell for less. As somebody who has done several outdoor shows, watch the time of year. And I know we brought this up on the last time we talked about this, but watch the time of year that the show is. If it is an outdoor show, I personally will not do. I've had people ask me to do a show here in Frisco. It's in, uh, it's Frisco, Texas. Um, I want to think... I, it was around March or April, and I forget which one it was, but it was during our storm seasons, and it's an outdoor event. Now, here in Texas, during those months, it could be super cold. It could be warm. It's probably going to rain. There's a good chance of storms coming through on at least one of the two weekend days that they have. And I think this one was a three-day event. But they it was 560, I think, when they first started doing this for the booth. And you had to be there, rain or shine, and they weren't going to reschedule if we knew big storms were coming in. 
I'm not going to eat that money. It isn't worth it to me. And knowing that usually those types of shows don't make me enough money to make that back, unless I'm selling prints, of course, but I'm not going to drag and put my paintings at risk, all my prints at risk with water. Like these are things that you want to keep in mind. What time of year is the show? And in that location, is it prone to having certain weather? I mean, here in Texas, you can at any time of year have, have storms, but it's not like California. California, Southern California, you were pretty safe. It was going to be sunny and warm. That was just a guarantee or hot. Sunny and hot, sunny and warm. Those were your two options, but maybe overcast if it was in June. But here, You want to keep that in mind in different locations. I am definitely not going to be a part of an event that not only is putting my work at risk, it's during a season we know is most very, very likely to have storms. And then to pay that much for the booth on top of it, I just don't think there's any way I would make enough to make it worth the trouble. So keep that in mind, too, when you're looking at events. This one being indoors, it was the only reason I considered it. If it was an outdoor event, which obviously for an aquarium festival wouldn't have been practical, but an outdoor event, I'm not interested in. I've done enough of them that unless it's, you know, California, like Catalina Island, I've done those shows. Those were great. That one I would be. But out here in Texas, there is no way I would do an outdoor show here. Our weather is too unpredictable. And my artwork, that is too much money to risk damaging If a storm comes, and I mean, I've been at shows where the tents were blowing over, the wind came in like crazy. I mean, we get tornadoes here. We'll get some heavy winds. So no matter how much you you weigh down your tents, it's just, it's a very high risk. And for me, and the amount of money that I have the potential to make back just isn't worth it. Yeah, so this is nice. It, I mean, it's going to be an indoor show, so yeah. you don't have that concern. You're at not all. likely to have there's a lot, a lot of, of people with their dogs, you know, because outdoor events, yeah, people there's a lot their of dogs, different... so you're not going to have legs being lifted on your artwork and such, which is always fun. All right, so I'm excited about this. I can't wait to find out, you know, how this all goes. And like I said, I'm real excited now about possibly going to that uh, Chicago show. Not as a vendor. I'm just talking about going yeah. there. I want to see the reptiles and things like that. That's that's exciting. Awesome. And I think it's very smart. And if you're listening today and you're thinking, taking notes and thinking about doing this on your own, then consider the things that we talked about with regard to having a wide range of options that she's going to sell, but then also keeping it where it's just not so much information. Like there, she's not taking like a full studio of uh, artwork with her or, you know, a whole gallery with her. She's taking some certain price points and being very intentional about what she is taking with her. I mean, in marketing, we call that, you know, having a loss leader, something that's very inexpensive, and then having some price anchoring. So you have something that's high, have something that's in the mid-range, and then something that's on the lower uh, cusp of things. So I think that's very smart. Know what your goals are for the show. What exactly are you hoping to have happen? Are you hoping a lot of people will do these thinking, oh, it's for the exposure? usually not worth the the trouble and the the cost. Or, I mean, are you trying to get people to buy originals? Are you trying to get them to buy prints? Make sure you have that in your head. What are your goals? What is your call to action, essentially? It's not that much different than what we do on social media. What is your call to action that you want them to do? Do you just want them to take a, a, a business card and hire you to paint portraits later? Then you need to make sure you're marketing your booth around that. Don't be so busy. I mean, where it's just a cluster of all the things that's so, so much that the people don't know what it is you're hoping to get them to do. If you're trying to get portraits, then build your, your 
booth around that. If you're trying to sell prints, build your booth around that. Keep that in mind when you're coming up with how you want to set things up. What are you hoping to do? In my case, I want to sell the postcards and prints and that is, you know, I'll have the 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 side with a few originals, but it's the postcards and prints that I'm focusing on. So I really want to make sure that my booth is built around that. Yeah. And if it doesn't come natural to you, think about what you're going to say to people when they arrive inside of your booth in your area. And especially with a certain amount of preparation in mind with some of the questions that will, um, you know, you'll be hit with, like, what do you do or what are you about or, you know, things like that. Uh, surprisingly, you know, sometimes that can trip people up when you think it's going to be normal and natural to just talk about what you do. Uh, just, just be prepared. Here's another thing. thing. One of the most common questions you're going to get in an art show or any type of event like this is how long did that take you? You do not have to answer. That is one of the biggest questions I would say. I would avoid answering. I generally tell people, now with colored pencil, okay, we take a long time. I mean, our work is is, typically takes a lot longer. So it's not as big of a deal, I think, for us to tell people how long something took. But when it comes to paintings, if I spent two hours on a painting, people are going to judge, oh, you're making this, you know, $100 per hour. No, it's not worth it. People will do that. Do So the better thing to do when somebody asks you how long something took, I don't know. I don't keep track of the hours, but it took me a lifetime to build my skill to this level, but avoid the actual hours. You know, another thing you can do, it's a good opportunity to reposition the question also. You smile and uh, pretend to have heard the question and, you know, because you did, and then just reposition it and say, you talk about the, you know, you're educating somebody now about your process and say, oh, I'm so glad you're interested in this process. Uh, What I do, and then you just start explaining the process instead of answering directly how long it took you. That's a good way to... Uh, you know, yeah, combat you that kind of find thing. a way that you, you're not off putting either. So it wouldn't yeah, just be, yeah. I'm not telling you this. It took me my life. They're not going to buy anything. Yeah. From you. you just angered them. They're not interested in you because they've got to yeah, be you don't want to insult the art, them or, or the artist as they are the art. So you definitely. Yeah. John is you're so that good advice. I left that part out. Be super friendly. Be personable. Don't be snooty. Don't, you know, and it's not that they're trying to necessarily be rude when they ask questions like that. They are. They're curious. And the problem is, though, you I find that you have a tendency to not make as many sales when people sit there and start figuring out what your hourly wage is. And it's like you're not I don't make that every hour. I you know, that's not how art works, but people don't understand that. So you've got to find a way to kind of turn that, like John was saying, turn that around and shift the conversation. For me, the easiest is just to say, I really don't know. I don't keep track of the actual hours, you know, spent on that. So you can say days or not days. I'm sorry. You can get into, oh, I spent two months working on this. Maybe you worked on 30 paintings at the same time. And that's another easy answer. I work on several things at the same time. So I don't know the exact hours into one individual piece. Um, You can do that. You can, I mean, you can be honest. I'm not saying lie to people, but avoid just saying, yeah, this took three hours. And then they, well, colored pencil artists, nothing taking us three hours, but no. then um, have them going, okay, well, price per hour, they start doing that math in their head. So yeah, I, I try to shift the the direction of that question. You could also just tell them and say, oh, I don't get paid by the hour. So I don't really, you know, it's not something I'm focused on. Yeah. Uh, and then reposition it and then talk to them and remember to smile. I always have to tell myself that smile, John, yeah. because <laughs> I have a tendency to just get focused on nerd out on something and forget to smile sometimes. Yeah. So. Well, hey, this is a great discussion. I can't wait for the follow-up. And if you're listening today, this is about two weeks away from the date that this will be released. And so if you're in the area, 
Dallas area, March 30th and 31st. Uh, why not head over there and see if you can, um, you know, take a gander at everything going on there. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, and I hope that this show has been helpful today. Remember, we take all the notes for you. Just head on over to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. Email us at podcast at sharpenedartist.com and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.